Welcome back to the Down to Earth podcast. While living our often busy lives, it's important for us to still find ways to keep our balance and prioritize our personal needs. One of the best ways of doing that is through nourishing our bodies with whole, real foods. Our guest today is acclaimed health and fitness expert, model, and author, Nikki Sharp. Nikki is the author of the five-day real food detox and has helped thousands of people make positive dietary and lifestyle changes. Nikki is a firm believer in the power of detoxing through real foods rather than just liquid fasts, prioritizing healthy eating through meal prepping, and taking time out of each day for taking care of one's physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual needs. Nikki also discusses her journey as an entrepreneur and the real-life challenges and triumphs of running your own business. Here we go. Welcome to the Down to Earth podcast. We're your hosts, sibling duo, Jonathan and Lorena. In this podcast, we'll be spilling the tea on all things health and wellness related. This podcast is designed to motivate you to take care of your physical, mental, and spiritual health. We'll be bringing on doctors, healers, fitness experts, business leaders, and innovators. Thanks for joining us in our mission of making the world a healthier, happier, and a more down-to-earth place. Here we go. Hey, Nikki, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for joining me. Excited to be here. Awesome. Well, I've been a big fan of your work for a while now, and I would love to get started by learning a little bit more about your story and your journey to health. Sure. So, I mean, the the quick long version of it is that I was a model for a few years internationally and after graduating college, but everything kind of started before that during college when I went to a new school in a new state, didn't know anyone, stopped sleeping very well, was in the modeling world, wanted to lose weight because that's just the name of the game there. And so that led me to kind of an ongoing 10 plus year battle between insomnia and depression, anxiety, because you're never good enough or you're too thin, not thin enough. And Every time that I would leave the modeling industry and kind of come back to real life, as we'll call it, I would always gain the weight back and I would would feel really fulfilled in my life. And then I'd go back into the modeling industry, traveling, and things would start popping up again. And so after many, many years of dealing with this, I, I just got to a point where I was not feeling good in myself. I was not confident. And although from the outside, right, we judge people from the outside, how they look, I, I might've looked put together. I I did not feel put together. And so I went on a 30 day challenge for my, uh, just an internal challenge where I said, I'm going to cook all my own food for 30 days. I'm going to exercise, go for hikes, go for walks, just really try to be outside in nature and see what happens. And at the end of 30 days, I felt incredible. And then I moved back to London at that point, started an Instagram account just to track my progress, have it as like a food diary. And people started following me from that. Yeah. And then just ongoing from from there, I started studying nutrition in a variety of forms and courses and classes and became a health coach in my vegan chef training, meditation, Ayurveda. And just fell in love with it and managed to heal myself naturally of two eating disorders. Um, I used to have really, really bad skin. I got off all drugs for that. Doctors had tried to put me on depression medication, 
that lasted three days. And I said, no, that, you know, I'm, I'm a naturally happy person. And so through all of this, and this is the very short version of it, I then, yeah, I got to a point where I started teaching this because people wanted to know what had worked for me. And, and with all of the kind of accolades and studies and, and certifications and programs I'd done, and I, I was able to share and help other people in their journey. And that's, that's what I do for a living now. That's awesome. And, you know, such an inspiring story. I think it's great that you came to a lot of these things on your own and they helped you firsthand, which then of course makes you a great teacher of these things because you benefited from it yourself. Yeah. Now, what were some of the main things that really helped you, at least in the beginning, to really find that consistency? Because I'm also the kind of person who really likes to take the the holistic natural path. And what I find is that, you know, oftentimes people will sometimes lose patience because, you know, sometimes it does take longer. It's a lifestyle. It's not a quick fix. It really is, you know, a different mindset towards how you live. So what were some of the things that really helped you stay on track and really look at things from a more long-term lens? I love that you bring that point up because it is so challenging where we live in a, a world and a society where we want to, we want the quick fix. We, we, there's things like Botox where you can go do Botox and and filler and change your face completely. And instead of eating clean so that your face naturally starts to get more collagen. And so, I mean, one of the the greatest things for me actually was, and I remember it so clearly, I completely changed the way I was eating and started eating plant-based with the addition of things like chicken and eggs back then. I I just, my body doesn't like them now, but I remember just from eating so many colorful foods my, my face actually did start to change. And my, I remember my mother saying, you know, did you go get Botox? And I said, no, why? No, absolutely not. And, and it was such a, such a nice thing to hear in a sense, because I was like, oh, it's actually working. And so I started looking at things differently from the scale. So I didn't look at a number on a scale. I started to take photos of myself, like my face, skin, skin photos, just to see how my skin was doing. And body photos to see how my body was going. And and I was always able to say, or look at these photos and say, oh, I'm a bit more bloated this, this month. Why, why would that be? And so I think that taking photos is a really, really good way to keep yourself on track. And then the other thing is it does take three months to really see a change in the body, whether it's through supplements, whether it's, you know, you're using new hair care and you're trying to defrizz your hair or I mean, it, anything, whether you're eating and you're trying to transform the way you, you, your body looks. But one thing that also helped me was really changing the way that I thought about exercise. So in the past, I would, I would always exercise as kind of a punishment. If I, if I ate bad, I ate too much. If I binged, if I had cookies, if I had one bite of something that I didn't think I should, I would go run on a treadmill for an hour. And so I started telling myself that, no, I'm only going to exercise if I eat clean today. If I eat, eat good, mm-hmm. then I'm going to go work out. That's so and interesting. So yeah, it was, and it's, it's hard, right? That it's, we're having to completely rewire our brain and the neural pathways, create new neural pathways. And so from that, I stopped looking at exercise as the punishment. And now like, I work out because it makes me feel good. I don't work out because I feel bad about my body and then therefore it's a punishment. So those are 
just a few of them. No, and that's a really great point. I think a lot of people are in that cycle where you know they'll eat something that they don't think they should eat, and then you go into that mindset where you want to burn it off, or you think that you you know did something wrong and you punish yourself. But there's also such a big emotional and mental aspect to our health and to how our body processes what we consume. So it really is important to keep ourselves in the proper mindset to really allow ourselves to be successful, to feel great and to be healthy. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree on that. Now for even the most you know health conscious of us that eat what we're supposed to eat, take supplements, exercise, we're still all surrounded by so many toxins and it really is important to, to detox. And typically when you hear the word detox, you think of a juice fast, you think of, you know, not having food for quite a long time, Uh, but you developed a really incredible five-day whole foods uh, detox, which I'd love to speak with you about and learn a little bit more about the pillars of this detox and why you created it the way that you did. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting when we say the word toxin, it has become such an overused word to the point where if you go to certain doctors, they'll say, no, we don't need to detox our body from toxins. I actually don't like the word toxins because it has been so overused, but in the, let's look at it from a different standpoint of we take things like Advil. Advil has ingredients that yes, it might work on your headache, but then there's other ingredients that your body, it's not a natural thing. Pharmaceutical pills. So if you're taking an antibiotic, for example, car pollution, We don't think there's car pollution, but there is. If you're in your house and you're not getting fresh air, well, that's air that's just being recirculated. And if you're not going outside, if you're having alcohol, right, your body's processing that. But if you're having more than one glass a week, your body has to kick into overdrive. Then you you add on the standard American diet or the SAD diet, which is very chemical and processed food heavy. And so it's, yes, your body is this phenomenal thing, And there are times where we need to do a reboot for it. And so it's kind of like when you think of your cell phone or your computer, that you'll get a notification saying that, you know, the computer's using too much RAM and it's not working as as properly, or, you know, you're out of memory on your cell phone. So you have to go delete some things. That's essentially what we're doing with a detox. And so I don't say that we need to do a detox long-term. I think it's you know, kind of max 30 days for something. But for mine, I didn't want to lose a weight on it. It's losing weight is a byproduct of it, but that wasn't the goal. The goal was to feel good, to feel energetic, to feel more happy. And so when you focus on these things and you eat the right foods, weight loss does become the byproduct naturally, instead of us thinking of only weight loss. So the pillars really are you're eating whole foods. So plant-based foods, for five days. So it's five meals a day for five days. And we, in the program, it's what you call crowding in. So we're crowding in all of these nutrient dense vegetables and fruits and whole grains and um, herbs and spices. And they're combined in such a way that the food tastes amazing. You're never actually hungry, but you learn correct portion sizes. And then you learn how to make meals with different ingredients that you wouldn't normally be able to. And so through that, through five days, men can lose up to 12 pounds. Women can lose up to 10 pounds. You reduce your bloating, fatigue goes away, brain fog goes away, your skin clears up, you sleep better, your memory improves. And all of these happen because all of the, the meals are created in such a way that it's, it's a powerhouse of nutrient dense superfoods and super ingredients for five days. That sounds incredible. And I think another really great benefit from doing 
you know, a detox similar to this is that it changes your relationship with food. I think a lot of times we eat when we're just stressed out or we're tired or we need something to sort of give us a little bit of excitement. And then when you're, you know, doing a program like a five-day program where you're really thinking about food as your fuel and you're thinking about your health and how this food is going to actually, you know, elevate your health, it sort of changes you even afterwards when it comes time to go back to your normal routine, you start to, to really question things more. You know, am I actually hungry? Am I eating the best possible thing for me? And that really helps you create long-term change. Yeah. Well, and you hit on such an important point there is that we, we numb and distract ourselves with food, with alcohol. We, we overeat, we boredom eat, we stress eat, we, we break up, eat, (laughs) celebrate, eat. And so we've tied all of these emotions into eating and drinking alcohol, being bored, whatever it might be. And so there's a difference between emotional hunger and physical hunger. And so doing a detox, whether it's mine or any other one, although with a juice cleanse, for example, you are going to be physically super hungry. That has its pros and cons as well. My program itself teaches you a healthy relationship with food, which most people don't have. My program is something that will teach you lifelong ways to eat, to nourish your body. And it's one of the few programs out there that after five days, your cravings go away. And then you really realize, oh, I, I don't want that pizza anymore. I just, I just don't want it. So it's a conscious choice when you start to have these things. Yeah, no, that sounds absolutely incredible. And then when somebody does the detox and then resumes back to their normal routine, of course, you know, nutrition, health in general, it's so personalized and different things work for different people. But what are some of the key nutrition pillars that have really helped you on your journey and that you think most people could really benefit from incorporating? The easiest one that I teach is to count colors. And Mm. the reason that I, I promote that one so much is because if you think about it, colorful foods... You don't have to worry about calories. You don't have to worry about, is this vegan or paleo or keto or any of that? You, these are earth foods. They come from the earth. We know that soil has nutrients. When something grows out of the soil, we know it's good for us. And so then you kind of, you know, you get out of that conversation of, was the cow organic? How was it, you know, raisin? That's a separate conversation. We start from the basics, which is have three colors on your plate at each meal. And if you can't do each meal, start with one meal, start with three colors. So let's say you're doing a salad, you have, and you want to go for the more vibrant colors. So you have a dark leafy green, like spinach, and then you, let's say you want to put some fruit on there. You could throw on some strawberries. So we now have two colors Then you could do some sweet potato. You now have three colors and why this is so good is all three colors, all three foods have different vitamins, minerals, phytonutrients for the body. And they go to different places in our body to help us. So we know that um, a tomato, for example, when you cut into it, it's it's good for your heart. We know that oranges, not oranges, uh, carrots, when you cut a slice into a carrot, it looks like your eye. And we know that the orange, the beta carotene is actually good for your eyes. Mm-hmm. We know that walnuts are great for your brain. And so different foods like this that come from the earth will naturally make your cravings less. They'll naturally give you more energy. And so that's the foundational pillar that I, I say for everyone, because we can complicate and we do as humans, we complicate food so much, but that's just the easiest one to go from. And the other one that I always tell people is stop worrying if your food is organic or not, and stop worrying about your water, if it's pH balanced and all of this, 
have two liters of water a day. Let's, let's just start there. That's the baseline. Make sure you're having plant-based meals, meaning foods from the earth. And then you can add on your chicken, your eggs, your meat, your salmon, whatever you want. But when you do that and you have your baseline of that, then you can start to add things. Then you can wonder if it's organic or not. But I always say to people like water, everyone should be drinking at least two liters a day. doesn't matter if it's from the tap or not, just start drinking it because that's going to help with fatigue and flushing the body and brain, brain fatigue, all, all of these different things. Absolutely. And I think in general, you know, we all need to simplify things more. I think a lot of times, especially in our society, there's so many innovative things constantly coming out and people want to always try the latest and greatest. But, you know, to really have sustainable long-term results, it really is about these key pillars that are a lot simpler than we realize. And in going back to your first pillar, which I think is super important, we all, I mean, as a society, we've moved too far away from our roots, you know, in nature, the earth, it communicates to us. Like you were mentioning, these foods mimic exactly what body part they really benefit. And so we really do need to tie our diets and our nutrition programs back down to as close to nature as possible. Yeah. hundred, I mean, a hundred percent. And it's, it's where can we simplify things because we overcomplicate everything. And all the time I get people asking me, okay, what supplements should I take? And I'll always say, take, just let's start with these. Take, take omega-3s, take a, a, a superfood greens powder, right? And take a probiotic, just those three. And then people will start to say, wait, but what do I take for energy? And this is this. I say, no, no, no. <laughs> take those three for three months. And then we can start talking. Even better if you take them for six months, because consistency is what people fail in. And so it doesn't matter if you have ashwagandha and turmeric and ginger and this and that. If you're not actually being consistent with it and you just keep buying new things, you're going to overcomplicate health. Absolutely. That's something that I, I speak about really commonly is that it really is about consistency. When you're taking the natural route, it has to be a lifestyle. Yeah, 100%. Now, I feel like an area where a lot of people struggle when it comes to nutrition is you know, you're living a busy lifestyle, you're on the go, you don't have time to necessarily make your food at home. And as we know, you know, even if you go to a lot of health focused, health conscious restaurants, it's not always going to be as clean and healthy as it could be for you. And so I know you're a really big advocate of meal prepping. You wrote a really great book about it as well. And so I wanted to chat with you a little bit about meal prepping, how to effectively do it in a way that's not boring, that's exciting, and that's still fresh and healthy. Yeah. So my answer is going to probably shock a few people, but start with one meal only. One meal. That's it. Don't worry about it. I know I wrote a whole book and there's four weeks of, of uh, recipes, a hundred recipes in it. And it's an incredible book. But what I say, once again, is start from the basics, choose the one meal where you typically make the worst decision. So let's say it's lunch, then that's going to be the, that's going to be the one where you say, okay, the night before, that's what I'm making. And if it's not even meal prepping, then like, for example, oftentimes I just have really, really busy weeks. And I'm like, I, I don't have the focus to go and do things in my kitchen and then clean up and then come back to work. And so I, I'll order from sweet green and that my form of meal prepping, right. Is knowing the one place that I can decide what I want, make it healthy, make it colorful. So Uber eats, for example, is such an incredible option because they have literally the healthy button on there and you can go and start to look at things. But when it comes to meal prepping, it's, you want to, choose one meal. So let's say it's breakfast. Well, the night before, 
put all of your smoothie ingredients in a little Ziploc bag, put them in the freezer so they're cold, they're frozen, dump them in so you don't have to chop and everything in the morning, dump them in your blender, put it in, blend it, put the blender, you know, fill it up after you pour it into a, a glass, put it in the sink with, with water, let it sit all afternoon. When you come home from work, you just wash it out and you're done. And it's, it's so simple to do, but you have to start with one meal. And typically it's the meal that you struggle with the most. I love it. I think that's a great tip. And that sounds like something that most people could find time to do. And that sets you on that, that right path towards incorporating it into more meals down the road. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, when we think about meal prep, where, where people have such a challenge is that it's, they want to do everything all at once. It's the same as the supplements. It's the same as exercise. It's like, I'm going to meal prep for breakfast, lunch, dinner. I'm going to go grocery shopping and I'm going to have all these beautiful ingredients. And then what happens is Wednesday they come home and they haven't actually prepped their dinner for that night. And then they have to chop things. Well, you're tired. You're going to reach for something else in the fridge that's already done, or you're going to order out. And so it's trying to set yourself up for success in the smallest ways possible. Absolutely. I think that's a great approach. Now, are there any ingredients in either, you know, food or beverage products that are like a hard no for you that you just try to avoid when you can? Again, I know we're all about simplifying everything, but if somebody, you know, is grocery shopping, they are going to buy something that's a little bit, you know, packaged, maybe a, a slightly processed. Are there any specific, like, don't do it if there's this ingredient in it that you look out for? More so what I say is if it has more than five or six ingredients on the label, I just, I won't buy it. I, I try to get things with five or under ingredients. If I can't pronounce it, my body can't digest it. That's a far easier one than, you know, let's talk about monosaturated glycerides and all of these things. It, it's you, if you cannot pronounce it, literally your body won't be able to digest it, which means it's going to be a chemical, a toxin sitting in your body. And that is not good for you. So those are kind of the easiest ones Outside of that, things like nitrates, which we find in hot dogs and salamis are, are not great for you. And, and aspartame is actually a really, really horrible ingredient that a lot of people have because we went into the whole diet soda, diet everything industry. And aspartame is far worse for you than actually just having sugar. So people are fearful of sugar, but aspartame is worse. And it actually puts on more weight for those people who are trying to lose weight but in terms of ingredients, I'm sort of the person that I, instead of saying, you know, avoid aspartame and avoid sugar, I try to say to people, why are you eating this? Are you eating it out of guilt? Like, are you eating diet sodas? Are you having them out of guilt because you're terrified? If you're fearful of something, replacing it with something else isn't going to be any better for you. And then if you're eating it in a binge episode, so you're having you know, cookies in a binge episode, it doesn't really matter what ingredients are in there. It doesn't matter if it's sugar or fake sugar. If you're eating it with, with a lack of consciousness, then that's what we need to work on, not the actual ingredients in the food. Because there's a, what I say to clients is the food you eat has nothing to do with the food you eat. So the food you eat has nothing to do with the food you eat, meaning our minds subconsciously and consciously have already predetermined things we are going to do. We think it's healthy, we eat it. We think it's unhealthy, we're going to avoid it. We are sad our boyfriend or girlfriend just broke up with us, we're going to go for the ice cream. And so you've already predetermined what you're going to do. So the food itself was not the decision. 
You have to understand the mindset. And that's where we make change, not by saying, I'm going to go on a diet tomorrow. Absolutely. And speaking about conscious consumption, are there any other things that you'll avoid doing while you're eating? Like, you know, do you try to avoid being on your cell phone or watching TV while you eat or, you know, not rushing or eating too quickly? What are your thoughts on things like that? The main thing for me is having a knife and fork. If I have a knife and fork, I know that even if I'm on cell phone or I'm even, you know, doing some, sometimes I am guilty of sitting here with my, my, lunch and working. And that's okay too, but I have a knife and fork. So I'm not just mindlessly doing, you know, eating while I'm typing or scrolling. I try to also not check the news or watch TV per se, like check social media. I find that that is, is definitely, it makes you less, less conscious to what you're eating. And the sole focus should really be on what you're doing. And people say, oh, I don't have time. Well, I'm going to challenge that you make your own time. People say, well, I'm so busy at work. No, you're creating the busyness at work. Everyone, legally, everyone has a lunch period. Legally, you have to. And then people say, no, 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 I just have too much to do. And so again, we go to mindset where it's, it's we got to figure out why people are not willing to do the things. But yeah, for me, it's, I tend to not watch TV that often, but every once in a while, my fiance, we love to put on a movie and we'll sit there and eat our dinner while watching a movie. and. And that's okay too, but there's a consciousness saying, okay, we still have our knife and fork. And the other thing is, it's just not rushing, not rushing to eat your food. And so that's why the knife and fork can really help to slow down. And I'm glad that you mentioned that point about how oftentimes like we, we create this busyness and this chaos, even though we don't actually have to be that busy. Um, and you, of course, are you know an extremely ambitious, motivated person. You've accomplished a lot. But how do you find you know the ability to sort of unplug and give yourself that time? Because I find that for a lot of people who you know who are leading busy lives, you sort of feel guilty if you're taking you know time away from either your work or your family or whatever other commitments that you have. So how did you develop that healthy relationship with giving yourself that time, allowing yourself to recharge and all of that, that good stuff? I am the most important thing in my life. That is it. If I am not feeling fulfilled or happy or joyful or rested or energized, or if there's crazy thoughts going through my mind, I'm not going to be able to show up to my business as best I can. I'm not going to be able to show up to my clients as best I can. And so for me, and not every day, that there's no such thing as 100% of the time. And so for the most part, Monday through Friday with my work, I don't start my work day until 8.39. I don't, I might like when I wake up, I'll look at my emails, just see what are the things I need to attend to first thing in the morning when I sit at my laptop. But I make sure I journal before I do anything or I make lemon water I might meditate. It's going to be different depending on the day and depending on what time I get up. So I have a morning routine. If I have five minutes, I have a morning routine. If I have an hour today, for example, I just did not have that same time because I had a bunch of deadlines. I have a bunch of calls today. And so I know that that means I'm shutting off at five o'clock computer goes away. That's it. And so the time I didn't get in the morning I'm going to make sure that I get that this evening. I'm going to wind down. I'm going to go to try to go to bed earlier. And so I am the most important thing in my life. Nobody is more important than me. And therefore, if I am more important than my business, than my fiance, than anybody else, because I can't show up as my best self, I'm going to do things that serve my best interest. Now, 
that, you know, was definitely a few years in the making to get there because people might think, oh, well, you work from home and you work for yourself. And it's like, right, I do. But I also set boundaries and I know that everything ends up getting done and the important things get done when they need to and the less important things get done later. That's why we have to-do lists. And and for me, I don't try to get everything done on my to-do list every day. It doesn't matter. And so it, it, I already know, you know, because I've had this conversation with people of it's just the, oh, this, oh, that's you. And it's, no, I've created this life for myself. Even when I worked for other companies before doing what I do, I still had the same thing. I still would get up and do time for me, or I would take a walk at lunch, or I would do something at night for myself, or I'd call a friend. So it's really just an excuse if someone says, I don't have time because you make your own time. So those are my personal boundaries. And to me, boundaries are sexy. Yeah. And most people don't know how to do them. Most people don't set them up. And for me, I have my frame. And once you have your frame, people respect that. But it's really cool because like, if I respect my boundaries, you're going to respect my boundaries. And then I get to show up as my best version for you, for this, for whatever it is I'm doing. A hundred percent. And you have to have your non-negotiables. Like I have my non-negotiables that no matter what's going on, I need to incorporate these things into my life. And I think a lot of people think that, you know, by prioritizing yourself, you're being selfish, but in reality, it's the opposite. You know, the better care that you take of yourself, the more that you could give to those around you. And, you know, if you want to be respected by others, you have to respect yourself first. You have to respect your schedule, your needs, right? Yeah. hundred percent. Spot on. Nailed it. Absolutely. Now, I want to speak with you a little bit about finding one's passion because, you know, it seems like you've had a really interesting journey. You mentioned that you started out in modeling. Now you have this wonderful career in something that clearly, you know, in speaking with you face to face, like you glow when you speak about what you do. Um, But a lot of people struggle with this. You know, a lot of people have hobbies or things that they enjoy. But when it comes to really building their life around their passion, it's something that they have trouble. One, you know, sometimes even just finding their passion or when they do, actually allowing themselves to build their life around it. So how did that process work for you? And what are some tips that you would have? One of the biggest things that I see with this is that people think their passion needs to be their career. And it doesn't. Your passion needs to inspire you in life. And I think that, like, I get that there's this whole viewpoint right now of if you're not passionate in your career, don't do it. I kind of have the opposite viewpoint because your passion will not make money for a very long time. You have to work really, really hard to make your passion into a full-time career. And that's something that took me years to understand. I didn't realize that going into this, but, and I was very lucky in the beginning. I've also been an incredibly hard worker and most people don't want that hard for themselves by themselves. Most people are not willing to take the the nose, right? We all have received nose. And in, in, when you're in business for yourself, you receive a lot more nose. And so most people take those as failures. And then it's like, oh, well, you know, my passion is never going to grow. And it's like, no, you just got to keep finding, you know, the path. If, if your passion is what you want to do for business. That being said, I think that every single person, not I think, I know every single purpose person has a purpose in life. And your purpose and your passion could be the same thing. It could be different, but it might be to be the best mother possible, to raise the most amazing kids. That becomes your passion in life. That's what gives you joy, excitement. And so when we think about passion, 
What brings you joy? What brings you excitement? For me, travel, eating food, like eating delicious food. When I travel, I love to try different meals. I love meeting people and they're hearing their stories. I love teaching health and wellness. So it's natural. I'm doing what I do. I get to put all of these together. But for some people traveling, you might just start a travel blog and that's your your passion. That's what gives you joy outside of your job, which gives you money in order to go do your passion. And so I don't think people should mix the two unless you're willing to work really hard. It, it typically takes about 10 years to turn your passion into a full-time salary-based money, you know, job where you pay yourself enough money to survive. That being said, you know, tips that like I've personally done or things that I've, I did it all backwards. Mm-hmm. I just took a leap of faith and I started, I started my business. Right. And, and in retrospect, I wouldn't have done it that way. Mm-hmm. Now that I know what I know, I, I would not have done it that way because my journey as an entrepreneur has been so up and down and up and down, which is fine. But now that I know what I know, I would go back and tell myself, find your passion, do that for a while, build it up so that you get to a point to say, okay, do I want to leave the thing that makes me money? And am I willing to work night and day and take a million no's before I get a yes? And and all of that, I think, is what I personally would have done. And, And where I am now is it's a guessing game sort of every day because you you put what you want down. You think this is where you're going to go. And then the universe diverts you. And then you say, okay, here, right here we are. And so you think that your dream from 10 years ago is what you should be doing today. And then you feel like a failure if you're not doing it, even though your dream changed. Maybe 10 years ago, you wanted to be a famous celebrity. So many people have that dream or an influencer. And then today you say, wow, I really want to have a family. And I want to retire early and I want to raise amazing kids. And so your, your passion, your purpose changes. And so you have to be willing to go with that flow of life. Yeah. And it's also, I think, challenging nowadays because with things like social media, a lot of people that are, you know, sort of coming up and, and trying to figure out what they want to do, they think that, you know, they have to do or they have to want to do what everyone else is doing. And then they realize later on that that's just not them. And I think the older we get, we realize that we all want different things. You know, we're not all after the same kind of a lifestyle. What's great to me might look awful to my best friend. And that's okay. You know, that's why we all are the way that we are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And another big issue, I think, with passion in business, when you're tying it together is you might be really passionate about the actual core mission of your business, but it doesn't mean that the aspects of it that you're passionate about are going to be your day-to-day every day, which I'm sure you've realized. I mean, I'm in the food and beverage industry. I don't just you know, sample drinks and eat food all day. It's a lot more than just that. And I'm sure you have had yeah. your fair share of unpleasant experiences along the way as well. Yeah. I mean, totally right there is I'm passionate about what I do and getting to teach people and educate and help people in their journeys. The majority of my day is admin and talking with my assistant and, you know, doing meetings that get scheduled and clients and typing notes up and things like that and writing copy for websites. And yes, I outsource a lot of these things, but there's some things that I have to do, like talk to my accountant about the finances and all of those. And at least very little space for the thing that you really love, but the thing you love is great enough for you to deal with all the other shit that you don't want to. And that's what people, I think, 
fail to see or realize is when it comes to a passion, just because it's a passion doesn't mean it needs to be your job. Because as I said, that passion, what you said too, is you're going to spend so little time doing the passion until your business grows, 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 grows. And then you can hire a bunch of people. But then as your business grows, 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 you have to manage a bunch of people. And so it's a very tricky balance. And so that's why I say, make money from somewhere else that gives you a stable paycheck of something that you like. Maybe you don't love it, but you're good at it. You help people, you help a business grow. And then use that money to go do the passion project, like traveling and writing a blog and creating a fun Instagram account based on that. But don't make that where you're trying to put all the money and, you know, or make all the money from. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times when people do try to, you know, financialize their passion, not in all cases, if you're building a business, if you're building a brand, that's different. But if you're trying to financialize your passion, sometimes over time, you'll start to resent that passion when you realize that your day-to-day is not what you thought it would be, right? Yep. I mean, I have 10 years in the business and there's been so many times I've wanted to quit and say, screw it, towel in. <laughs> and sometimes you do have to take a little bit of a backseat and slow things down in order to regain that passion. Absolutely. Now, I think that you know when we're talking about health and wellness, what we put into our bodies is super important. What we put on our bodies, of course, is also incredibly important. But the mental and psychological aspect of of just how we live has such a big impact on our overall health. And you talk about this a lot. And I know there's a lot of work that you've done that's helped you. I know you've done a lot of inner child work um, and that's becoming more prevalent, but I think a lot of people are still unfamiliar with this type of work. So I'd love to learn a little bit more about it from you. Yeah. I mean, inner child work is something I do. It's not necessarily, it's partially what I teach if a client needs it. I really help people look into let's say the the insides of themselves, meaning their inner thoughts, that dialogue, and looking to see why are they numbing? What are they numbing from? What are they distracting from? And it's what I call the spiritual mirror. So I own a mirror. I look at myself and I see how I look. So the spiritual mirror is instead of looking at your physical self, you're looking at your inner self, your, your soul, your thoughts, your emotions, your feelings, and getting a really clear idea on what needs to change based on that mirror. And because you can only control you, you can't control anybody else in this life. And so that's really where I help clients. And I do a lot more things based on helping people heal the relationship with themselves, because that's where it starts. If someone's a people pleaser, well, we got to heal that relationship with you because we got to start setting some boundaries. Otherwise, that is going to trickle into you're overworking yourself, right? And then you you can't ever take a break from that, et cetera, et cetera. And so, I mean, for example, I have a, a two-day virtual workshop coming up at the beginning of April that's all about healing the relationship with yourself. And it's based on this concept of self-love, which kind of like the word toxins. I don't like this. I don't like the word self-love. I don't like that because everyone has thrown it around and say, Oh, self-love is taking a bubble bath and self-love is lighting a candle and journaling. It can be, but real self-love is willing to look yourself in that spiritual mirror and say, where am I afraid? What am I hiding from? What am I running away from? What do I not want to face in my life right now that I'm numbing myself from with alcohol or food or any of that? What am I distracting myself from? And so when we do that work, that's where real self-care, self-love is. 
Absolutely. And that's, that's the hardest work to do. You know, a lot of times I find that people are so focused on external things going on because they want to divert from going inside, from going internal and, and figuring out what's going on. Cause it's scary. It's, it's scary to go inside and see all of these things in your life that you're angry at or sad about or fearful about. But the cool thing is we're all humans. There's 8 billion of us. Mm-hmm. We're all scared of something. We're all angry about something. Maybe you're angry at the person that cut you off. Yeah. Maybe you're angry that a relationship failed. And so people attach all of these emotions to feelings, right? So it's like, if anger comes up, it's like, oh, I shouldn't be feeling angry. Just allow it to happen instead of trying to numb it. So the work is hard, but it's so rewarding because that's when, that's the real place where we start to overcome disordered eating. That's when we start to lose weight and keep it off. That's when we set boundaries and you're able to say, no, that I'm going to do me. And so like my life today, I show up with a full cup for the most part, every day, some days a little less, but I know that if I'm showing up with a full cup because I'm nourishing myself spiritually inside, I'm nourishing myself with good food. I'm exercising because I love my body. Well, I'm coming from a place of abundance and love, which means that I'm going to be a far more joyful person to be around. And anyone who's working with a coach or a therapist in that sense, if that coach or therapist isn't doing this sort of work, you probably don't want to work with them because mm-hmm. this is the real work. What we're talking about, it's not just telling you how to eat. That's that's a very surface level that will keep you in a vicious cycle. Absolutely. And I think another thing to note is that the work never really ends. Never. You know, As we keep going on, new things come up, new experiences come up. But I think there's something cool in that we could always get better, right? We could always improve our lives, our minds, our thoughts, the way that we feel. And that's that's one of the beauties of life. Yeah. It, it is a never ending journey until the day that you die. That's, that is the good and the bad news. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, I think that because of course, everyone has so much to work on internally with whether it be trauma, anger, other challenges, it could also be really beneficial to focus on, you know, visions, positive things, goals. And I know that you had a dream binder um, and I'm sure you still have it. Um, that really helped you, you know, really sort of manifest and and figure out what it was that you wanted your life to look like. And so I'd love for you to share a little bit about this binder and how maybe people could try to do something similar at home. Sure. So the, the dream binder is a what I call a toolbox. And it it's in this program called the Ultimate Transformation Program, which I run as a group program and a one-on-one. And within this program and within this dream binder, It breaks into different sections in life. And then we go through a variety of exercises to help you uncover the real you to deal with your fears. And it's done in a a very, very specific way that the client, whoever it is, and, and myself, as I was coming up with this dream binder, you are putting all of your subconscious beliefs and fears and visions and manifestations onto paper. And what's cool is you start with a binder with about 100 blank pieces of paper. And at the end of the program, it is completely filled with all of these things inside of you that you didn't even necessarily know were there, but you've wanted, you've been too scared to be like, put them on paper. And then what's wild is once you do that, you start to see all of these things coming true that you've dreamt about or thought about. And now you just have a date to see, oh, wow. Like I remember five years ago, I wrote down a hundred things. I mean, at least a hundred things of 
what I wanted in my fiance and, or the partner that I would meet. Wild. And so, you know, it's things like that where you're just like, okay, this is clearly meant to be because this is what I've been manifesting for five years. And I, I teach manifestation in a very different way. I teach spirituality in a very different way. And, and so the dream binder is essentially a toolbox that allows someone to dream big, put it to action. So visualization, manifestation, but with action, very specific exercises we do. And then let's say you're having a bad day or a bad week. There's different exercises to go through, to take yourself out of that, to acknowledge the feelings. And so I've never seen anyone else do anything like it. It will one day get turned into a book, but for now it's, it's, you know, a one-on-one program or a group program that I, I launch. Yeah. And it, it sounds amazing. And I think a lot of people have these dreams and goals and a lot of people try to block it, right? They think like, oh, you know, this might be too big of an aspiration or too big of a goal, but you know, we get our goals and the things that we want for a reason. You know, I think people have to realize that, you know, whatever your beliefs are, right? I mean, we were put on this earth for a purpose. And if there's something that we are attaining to achieve or or to get or something that we truly, truly want, there's a deeper reason for that. And we have to allow ourselves to strive for it and to, again, take action. Because I think a lot of times, you know, people will read things like The Secret or Law of Attraction, which is true, it exists, but it does take action. And people will be like, you know, trying to sit on their couch and just, you know, become a billionaire. And it doesn't work that way. But, you know, when you add that action to it, um, it definitely makes things possible. So there's there's a, a funny story, but it, it, an analogy of this is a man asks God, says, mm-hmm. God, I'd like to win the lottery. Next day, God you know, praying to God, I'd like to win the lottery the next day. God, I'd really like to win the lottery. A week later, I'd really like to win the lottery. Please, God. Months later, God, getting a bit tired, but I'm still going to keep praying. I'd really like to win the lottery. A year later, says, God, I don't understand why you won't let me win the lottery. And God comes down and says, my son, you have to buy a lottery ticket. (laughs) Exactly. I love that analogy. So true. So true. And it's, it's the, we can say, and put in our visions what we want, but if we're not willing to actually go after them, and when you buy the lottery ticket and you don't win the first time, and I'm I'm not a fan of the lottery, but it's an analogy to say, if you don't succeed, and I don't like the words fail, but if you don't succeed the first time, are you willing to keep going? If you don't succeed the second time, are you willing to keep going? And the amount of times that I have, quote unquote, not succeeded to my own expectations, I'm like, okay, I got to keep going. Or the amount of times I've been told, no, I have to keep going. There's a reason why I was told no in that moment. So that's the, that's the big thing. That's the, that's the secret of the secret. Yeah. That you, you, you can sit there and visualize and dream it all day long, but then you have to put the right action behind it. And that's, that's what the dream binder and this ultimate transformation program helps people to do is completely transform their lives with this, a specific frame. So it's not like you're having to do it on your own because as we know, when you do it on your own, people give up quickly, they overcomplicate things, all of that. Absolutely. But that sounds amazing. I hope that you do turn that into a book one day. <laughs> yes, it, it will. One day. Now, speaking of books, you've written you know, two incredible books, and I'm sure you'll write many more in the future as well. Are there any other books that have helped you on your journey? Books, documentaries, maybe other podcasts, things that have really had a positive impact on your life? I mean... It- there's a book called, I think it's your soul's journey. That was a really fascinating book because it helps. It helped me understand, you know, human purpose and why we're here and all of that. Um, gosh, off the top of my head there, it's, uh, Oh, the untethered soul. That was an amazing oh, 
that's a good one that I, I highly recommend. It's you might have to read it a few times. I know people that like read a page and then they have to go back and reread it. But The Untethered Soul is a, a phenomenal book that I would say is a great one to start with. Yeah, yeah, that is a really great book. Now, a question I'd like to ask all our guests that come on the podcast is if you could sit down and have tea with anyone dead or alive, who would it be and why? I think Einstein. Okay, that's a good one. And Einstein, because I'm fascinated by the knowledge Einstein or like Galileo, because I'm fascinated by the knowledge of these men of what they created before we had all this quote unquote technology, right? They did all of these things and they're the ones who gave us the technology that we have today without all of those. And so I feel like just sitting with a a bottle or two of wine and having a conversation, your mind would just go, it it would explode on the spot. Absolutely. And you're totally right. At that time, they weren't able to really communicate easily with others or see what else was being developed. So it took a lot of innovation and foresight for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Who's yours? It always changes. You know, that's the funny thing. It's been family members before that are no longer here. It's been a lot of business leaders. Um, So it always changes. But um, a lot of people out there that I'd like to have tea with. I'd like to have tea with you one day now that we're both in Miami (laughs) and I own a tea company. So I'll bring the tea. I love it. <laughs> we'll have to make that happen. Now, for anyone out there who's going to hear this interview that wants to learn more about your work, potentially get in touch and work with you, where are the best places to reach you at as well as order your books? So everything is just NikkiSharp.com or at NikkiSharp on Instagram. That's kind of the, those, those are the two hubs of where everything is. And I'm, I mean, I am going through a, a pretty big rebrand. And so the website may or may not be down at some point. We're, we're changing that all up, but it'll always be NikkiShark.com. See guys, the work never ends. You know, Even never. when you've made it, it keeps going. <laughs> never ends. And then you make more money and you put more money into your business. <laughs> yeah. It's a journey. It's definitely a journey, but it's well worth it. You're inspiring so many. You're doing such great work. I commend you for all that you've accomplished and keep it up. I'm excited to see what's next for you. Thank you so much for having me. This is really wonderful. Thanks for joining us on our episode with Nikki Sharp. Nikki shared such great information on the power of real foods, self-love, pursuing one's passion, and the importance of incorporating consistent positive lifestyle changes. As always, if you have any questions, please email us at podcast at drinkdowntoearth.com or get in touch with us on our Instagram at drinkdte. In the meantime, stay healthy and stay hydrated. Cheers. Now it's time for you to go out there and do at least one small thing to better your health today. Always choose to make your life a healthier, happier, and a more down-to-earth place. Until next time. Cheers to good health.